Welcome to Trade Wins. I am your host, Tara Solberg, the founder of Few and Far and Indigo Love, two halves of one thriving business. I am a South Coast girl from a small town, and when I launched my business over 10 years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. What I did have was passion, drive, and a commitment to learn as much as possible on my way. I will take you through each chapter of my unique business story. You will get real insight into the lows and highs, the trials and triumphs, and the many, many lessons learned. In fact, I will share all of the things I wish I knew when I was starting out all those years ago. So consider this your personal invitation to take the first step on the journey of a lifetime towards owning your own business. Scent and fragrance play such an important role in creating an engaging or immersive store experience, and that's something we're really passionate about at Few and Far. The power of scent can transform our energy and transport us to another time and place. Scent is so incredibly powerful to the human body, and it has the ability to affect our mood, spark memories, and even improve our cognition. It really has the most magical way of transporting us to another time and place and can remind us of some of the best or worst moments of our lives. After all the years I've experienced working in each of our stores, if I had a dollar for every time a customer walked into one of them, paused, deeply inhaled and slowly exhaled with a blissful look exclaiming, Oh, what is that beautiful smell? I would be swimming in a pool of gold coins. This reaction led us down to the path of creating our very own signature fragrance, a combination of bergamot, fig and vetiver that reminds us of our travels and that we have labelled escape, which allows us to do exactly that. But we couldn't have done this on our own. So today, I'm so excited to introduce you to the wonderful human that helped us bring this dream to life, and that is Leanne Haining from Urban Ritual. Leanne has a powerful vision to create a business that makes people feel good. Her passion is to create a sustainable business with a philosophy of passion, kindness, care, and unsurpassed quality. With more than 20 years experience in the gift and homewares industry, Leanne Haining is the creative force behind Urban Ritual. Leanne's background in visual merchandising and business development, partnered with her creative flair, has steered Urban Ritual from its early beginnings at the Glebe Markets to being recognised as one of Australia's leading manufacturers of bath, body, skincare and home fragrance products. Urban Ritual is now proudly stocked in 1,000 boutique gift and homewares retailers Australia-wide, as well as export markets including Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong and New Zealand. Leanne is a leader in creative concept design and product development, strategic planning and project management, marketing and brand building. She has featured in publications such as Latte, The Collective, The Fashion Advocate and Better Homes and Gardens, as well as speaking on panels with the women's networking group Business Chicks and at various international Women's Day events. 
Leanne's skill set is a recipe of creativity, passion, determination and resilience driven by a constant desire for growth and success, along with a love of travel and adventure, food and fine wine. A winner of multiple awards, Leanne believes that beautiful things don't just happen. If you want something marvellous, you have to make something marvellous. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Trade Winds episode. So today I've got the very lovely Leanne Haney from Urban Ritual. Leanne is such a ray of positivity and, you know, wonderful light to me. She's always been extremely generous and helpful throughout our whole business journey. And we have actually had the brand or Leanne's brand, Urban Ritual, in our stores since the the birth of few and far I guess it was one of the first products that we sought out to stock into our stores so I've invited Leanne in to come and chat with me today um, on all things Urban Ritual and also you know how she's gotten to where she is today and the journey that she's you know come through uh, in order to grow her business to where it is including the challenges and obviously what we're facing right now in this pandemic but yeah it's a joy to have you here Leanne and thank you so much for for jumping on and chatting with me today. Oh thanks Tara thanks for having me and thanks for that beautiful kind introduction that was lovely thank you. (laughs) No problem so I guess Uh, What I'd like to start with is obviously just to let everybody know a little bit more about you. So I'd love for you, and I will probably learn a lot here as well. There's things obviously that I don't know about you. So can you tell me a little bit about you? Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And have you always been ambitious? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I grew up on the southern beaches of Sydney, so around the Cronulla area, and I grew up, I had a really beautiful, idyllic childhood. I've got one sister and we're very, very close, and I was close to mum and dad. And um, we had a childhood where I spent time uh, boating. Um, My very early um, childhood, we, we had like a tin boat, and we used to go out on the tin boat, and we used to go down to the National Park and, you know, jump off rope swings, and, you know, we had kayaks and all the, like, really, out, like, outdoor people. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned to, I remember my dad taught me to water ski in the pool, threw me in the pool, and used yeah, no. to, like, pull me along with a rope. <laughs> Um, and then we also were into horses. So we're really like action kind of people and action yeah. family. Outdoorsy. So, yeah, really outdoorsy. And I'm um, really social. Mum and dad had lots and lots of friends that were involved in Rotary. So we always were socialising in big groups with tons and tons of kids and, you know, sort of all sorts of funny things, you know, like those rope races and three-legged race. We used to do lots of really yeah. fun outdoor things, but always outside, boating, nature, swimming. Um, as I said, I had a horse when I was 10. Um, so I really loved horses and I had a yeah. horse in the Um, local neighborhood in Sydney and I used to ride my bike up and feed the horse and um, yeah we also like snow skiing so definitely outdoorsy kind of people yeah Um, so yeah I had a really idyllic childhood it was you know my dad had his own business and um, and my mum was a stay-at-home mum and yeah it was really free and you know billy carts in the backyard and and yeah yeah, yeah, really yeah free it, that pretty much sounds like you're describing my childhood as well. Like yeah. my dad obviously having his own business. My mum was a stay-at-home mum and we were you know, out in the boat outside all the time. It's just 
yeah, very, very similar, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and definitely was always ambitious in um, and just a real doer. Like, as I said, yeah. like as a little kid, we snow skied and like I was always one that wanted to know how to snow ski and get down the hill the first. And, you know, when yeah. I water skied, I want, you know, I was, I learned how to water ski on one ski. Um, you know, I was into bike pony club, so I was really yeah. into the horse. So definitely I was a real doer and I was, um, I suppose the fact that my dad had his own business, yeah. he, he was a doer, he was a real doer. And so definitely that ambition comes through um, really strongly. Yeah. And what did you want to be when you grew up? So I, when I was um, really young, I wanted to be a hairdresser. And I used to, I used okay. to get, I wanted to be a hairdresser, to be a hairdresser because, you know, it was like I could have my own business. Yeah. And I think I didn't realize that at the time, but it sort of was that thing of, well, you could be creative and you could have your own little salon. Yeah. And um, I remember putting my sister in the bath. She's three years younger than me and I'd make her sit in the bath and I'd cut her hair. Um, and then I wanted to be a florist when I got a little bit older. So when I was in high school, I love the idea of, um, again, like nature and creating my own beautiful flowers. I went off that because I'm not a morning person and um, <laughs> I wanted to be an artist as well. And then by the time I hit my 20s, I oh, actually, I think I wanted to be a visual merchandiser, which so I did that for a while, but I thought I could be my own, you know, like a freelance visual merchandiser. And then by the time I hit my 20s, I just knew I wanted to have my own business. And that became not so much what I did, but just about that I knew I wanted to have my own business. So like the word entrepreneur didn't exist, but that was what do you want to do? I just want to have my own business. Yeah, right. And you've, so it sounds like you've always been involved in the creative side of things as well, like you know, wanting to be a hairdresser, a florist, visual merchandising, yeah. all that sort of thing, all that creative line, which is yeah. really nice. An artist, don't even know how that was going to play out, but an artist, <laughs> being an artist, yeah, yeah. always creative. And yeah. Um, yeah, I could never see myself, like I could never see myself sitting at a computer in an office, like when I was younger, no. and it's funny because that's what I do now all day. <laughs> at the time I was thinking, oh, I just need to do something that means I'm not in an office at a computer. Yes. That was, yeah. that was sort of part of my vision as well I suppose weirdly yeah no it's you know yeah I can't stress enough how similar that is to me like I just I feel like you know you're reading my mind right now oh really yeah <laughs> so we've always been similarities in that yeah. <laughs> no that's really good to to hear um and so when you did finally start working did you start your own business to begin with or did you work for somebody else first or what was it that you ended up going on to do so part of my adventurous spirit, the minute I finished school, I went to Threadbow. So okay. yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm going. So I was always, I, I was always desperate to go somewhere. So even through school, I was like, I'm going somewhere. So I went to Threadbow and I did a season in Threadbow. So that was the first job that I had when I left school. Like I did a gap year down there. And yeah. that was really cool. Cause I moved out of home. I was just 18 skiing all the time. It was amazing. And then I came back and did my VM course and my visual merchandising course at TAFE. And then I, my first serious job was with Just Jeans yeah. and um, I was their state visual merchandiser. So I used to go out to all the different stores around predominantly sort of greater Sydney. Yeah. And my job was to make sure that all the Just Jeans stores looked the way that they should yeah. look nationally. So they had a, a guideline and that was, yeah. that was my job. And it was fantastic. It was so fun, great culture. 
and um, lots of young people. And I was there for three years. And then I left there to go traveling overseas. Oh, wow. You would have picked up some really valuable, valuable experience working there too, because I know obviously coming through and working for those larger chains, they've got all of their systems and processes in place. And, you know, this really great template, obviously, that you can follow as well. So I'm assuming that you probably would have had some really good experience there. Yeah, I did. It was, I loved it. I just love that job so much. And I think one of the things that stuck with me really um, from that was I had a fantastic um, boss. So the person that employed me was the person that I actually ended up traveling with. And I was with that person when I met Scott. We'll get to that story later. But she was my boss at Just Jeans. And um, we ended up going traveling together. But it was actually about the good time. Like we just had such a good time. Sometimes I think we had too much fun. I was like, I remember. But, you know, we were 20. But we had like we used to laugh and have so much fun. And that's really stuck with me, that idea of going like work needs to be fun. Yeah. So I always try and make sure that with our team that we always bring a sense of family and fun because yeah. that's why I got up in the morning. Like I would have done anything for my boss and for that job because we yeah. had fun. And yeah, yeah, it was great. And I got to travel around, which was fantastic as well. So, you know, I got to, it was like, I really got to explore because one day I'd be in Parramatta, the next day I'd be in Nowra, then I'd be at Chatswood. So I really yeah. got out of like my small, sort of smaller suburban upbringing. Yeah, and definitely not sitting in front of a computer. Yeah, 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 that's right. And every day I went to a different place, which I just loved. And so when you did leave that job to go travelling, how long did you go for and where did you go? So I, again, I always knew I was going somewhere. I, I was the kid in high school where they always went, oh yeah, she's the sort of slightly odd one. <laughs> the crazy messy hair. And I was always the one that was a little bit, you know, doing things a bit differently. So I knew I was going to go traveling. I was desperate. I remember being sort of 10 and 12, seeing um, ads on TV for Egypt, like, you're going, oh, I really want to go there. So um, when I left, I first went, um, I landed in Singapore and I travelled all the way up to the north of Thailand to the Burmese border. So that was my first, like, I actually backpacked all through Southeast Asia. Then I went to London and my dream was to work at Jigsaw, which is another big retail chain. And um, because I love their their visual merchandising and their window displays. And so my dream was I'm going to go to London and I'm going to work for Jigsaw. And that's what I did. I used to walk around to all the different shops to um you know eventually got a job in one of the yeah, wow. so you could yeah. say you were very focused oh very focused <laughs> it was like I was actually knew which company it was going to be and that's yeah. what I did so I worked with Jigsaw and um I stayed in London for about nine months and then I went traveling all through Europe um down and then down into Turkey and that's where I met Scott in Turkey oh wow that's yeah. pretty cool. We had it was cool. It was amazing. Turkey, so <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Another similarity. But yeah, that's so. That's where I met Scott. So you've met Scott. At what point did you decide that? you wanted to start out in business for yourself or how did the idea come about to start your own business? So when I met Scott, we, um, we ended up going to India very shortly after that. So within about uh, three months 
I went yeah. and yeah, I met him in India, so I didn't know him very well. And I, <laughs> I said to mum and dad, I've met this guy and I'm going to go to India with him. And I think I was about <laughs> 22. And, um, and so then we traveled around India. And I think, you know, one of the things when you're traveling around India, particularly, you see lots of other people you know, who are like buying and selling things in India or taking things all around the world from India to, you know, back yeah. to Europe, back to Israel, back to Australia. So, um, and I think what, what happened with Scott and I was we realized we wanted to live an intentional life and like live a life that was, you know, sort of not dictated to us, but something that was like the path that was less trodden, I suppose. Yes. And so we were thinking, how are we going to live this amazing alternate life where we get to travel all the time and, and we get to be independent and free? <laughs> we're thinking, okay, so we'll have to create our own business because no one's going to employ us. No. That was sort of... That was really how it came. It was this, this fiercely independent spirit of wanting to do things our own way and wanting to do things differently and not coming back um, after being, like Scott was away three years, I was away two and a half years, and not coming back and again going, oh, well, now I'm back in that city job, catching the train, wearing a suit. Yeah. So, yeah we thought yeah. we'd have to create our own life. And so um, I came back to Sydney and I started, I did a degree at Sydney College of the Arts in um, a ceramics degree. Yeah. And it was through that that we started doing the market because, um, okay. yeah, we, we and we had, you know, we had beads from India. We had lots of things from India. We had cushions from Thailand and we had things that we'd collected. And then we started doing the market at Glebe. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the markets at Glebe consisted of a lot of the things that you'd bought on your travels and collected. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Originally, that was yeah. what we did. So, yeah, things that we'd collected from overseas. And yeah. um, and then and then we would like that entrepreneurial spirit. My mum and dad's um, friends had um, had moved from a really big house and they said to us, oh, if you want to come and collect all of our stuff, you can. And so we, it was sort of like if, it's, if it stood still, we would find it and sell it. So we're like, oh, so we went to their house and they had like amazing lampshades and like all the things that like a big, beautiful house would have. And I think we filled up our van and then we took that to the market and then we sold wow. that. Yeah. So it was like we, we just literally tried everything. We tried lots of different things. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and so then, yeah, and then I started with the ceramics. I made the oil burners. So that was one okay. of the things that we did. So I made oil burners. Um, we met these people in Byron Bay that made these beautiful candlestick holders. They were made out of camphor laurel wood. Yeah. So it was sort of, we just literally kept trying things. New things, um, yeah. You know, we did printed T-shirts. So we, I mean, literally, I think we tried nearly everything. And then um, oh, I also worked at Red Earth for a while and that was, when I came back from India, I worked at Red Earth and that was the sort of cross from getting out of fashion into this, this new trend that was happening at the time in the 90s of you know, essential oils and nice soaps and, yeah. and fragrant candles. And, um, and that it was someone that I'd met at Red Earth suggested to me about doing soap at the market. Okay. And that then opened up that idea. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. And so at the, when you had the stall at the markets, were you working at the same time like you so during the week you were working in your role and Scott was working as well and then you were just working together at the market so Scott was working and um and I was at uni okay yeah so this was while I was at uni studying so it was like instead of me working in a pub or a cafe we did the market And so then the soap, 
basically turned into this beautiful bath and body range that you've got now. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was the thing was that we realised that we just kept trying different things and then all of a sudden we started selling the soaps and, um, and what we realised was that we created this product that people came back for. So yeah. every other product that we'd ever done, there was no repeat on it. You know, yeah. like the secondhand yeah. stuff, it was in and out, the beads and the cushions from Thailand, it was sort of in and out. Um, but we, once we started to, to sell the soaps, then people started to come back and we noticed that they'd come back and they'd say, oh, last time I tried the Dewberry, this is hilarious, like 1995, <laughs> um, and, or I liked that soap, I wanted to try this one next time. So that was when we realised that there was something in that product because we were creating this ritual of people coming to the market and, and visiting us every week to buy their favorite soap for the week and that was when it dawned on us that there was a real market for that style of product yeah okay no that's really interesting it's yeah and, and especially being able to offer that product that they keep coming back for like you said like the vintage items they were a bit harder because you're constantly searching for more and you know trying to fill that it's like what we do with our one-off pieces but then I guess similarly to you um, we then obviously make sure that we have our stock items that people can continually reorder and have, you know, that supply available to them is yeah, really important in that part of the business model. So from that, how did your, I guess, business idea or brand evolve like so from selling those soaps at the glebe markets to obviously creating the brand urban ritual did that kind of happen quite quickly or was it gradual or how did that all kind of plan out well one of the things that happened when we were at the market was that um so we had probably one of the best looking stalls at the market because we yeah. made it amazing you know it just looked beautiful and um, a lady who had a beautiful shop up in katoomba came along and she said to me I really love what you're doing here. Could I take what you're doing to my shop in Katoomba? And that okay. was like, you know, up until that point, I thought I was going to be a retailer and I would have a market store, which would one day become a bricks and mortar store. Yeah. And that was the moment that I realized that I could actually sell to another retailer. And that yeah. was the flip of being, hold on, this, this could be a wholesale business. Yeah. And so my dad had made a beautiful trestle table out of recycled timbers. And we had these beautiful um, display units made out of recycled reclaimed timbers. So it looked really unique. So yeah. that was what we did for her. So we created, we made her 20 soap boxes and she created a place um, in her store in, in Katoomba. And I went up there and merchandised it for her and I got it set up for her. And that then was the beginning of me saying, okay, I could now go to, I could go to Barrel, I could go to Berry, I could go yeah. to um, all the little country towns and I could sell what I'm doing at Glebe Market. So that was how that started. Yeah, wow. Because I know even having Few and Far, and this was much later because obviously Few and Far was opened in 2009, but I remember back then that staple um, was always the the soaps, like the $3 soaps. It was Ooh. just like the thing that you had to have. And we had, you know, I can't remember, I think it was 12 fragrances of it or whatever it was. But, yeah, it was nice that that sort of had come through and had 
you know, that was your signature item back then and then continued through. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, and it's still a product that we carry today and it's yeah. because it is, it's the, sort of the backbone of who we are and it, it really yeah. was the defining moment for us of realising that we had a product because it sold everywhere yes. and it sold to everyone and it didn't matter what country town we went to and it didn't matter if it was summer or winter yeah. and it didn't even matter if it was the week before June's stock take. Yeah. It just consistently sold. And it was from that that we realised this is, you know, if you want to run a business that actually yeah. is profitable and can sustain us to actually, you know, not just do it as a hobby, that that product yeah. was that product for us. We realised, yeah, we're really onto something with that. Yeah, we used to have customers who would come in just for that. So just for the soaps. Like there was a guy that would literally come in at least once a month to buy two boxes of soaps or another lady who'd buy two boxes of lemongrass soaps or whatever it might yeah. be. But they would... And you can say, oh, that just makes me so happy. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I just love hearing that. It just makes me so happy because, you know, it does. It makes you feel so good when you know that someone loves your product that much. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of retailers that we started to supply who loved that because, yeah, maybe they were selling big ticket items or furniture items and so our product was like the honey, you know, it was yeah. the reason why people might come back in and it created those relationships because people were coming back to the store because there was something that they loved and they used in their everyday life. Yeah. And, and yeah, that was where the name Urban Ritual came from because we realised that it was a really small ritual that brought a lot of joy, but it was really yeah. simple. So yeah. just that simple thing of that one soap fragrance that they took home that cost $3 that they loved yeah. and then came back or came back to your store because they loved it and it was like, well, that's the urban ritual. And at the time I was living in Newtown, that's where the urban came from. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really important because even, you know, that that man that I spoke about that came in like quite regularly, I don't know if he ever bought anything else, but he would always just come in for this soap. So they had like, you know, Airbnbs or whatever it was, not, you know, there was, Airbnb wasn't around back then, but, you know, they had they were looking after a holiday home or caravan park or whatever it was and it was important that they had these urban ritual soaps so it was what brought him through our doors which is amazing so thank you that's a beautiful story I love that literally it makes my heart feel really full yeah and so being involved in business with your husband with Scott um how did that how do you work together do you think that you've got a really great working relationship like could you have do you think you could have started it without his support or how do you both kind of work within your business? Well, I think um, one of, yeah, so Scott and I have worked together from the very beginning and yeah. Um, yeah, so even, even from the very beginning, there were certain things that he was good at and certain things I was good at. So, you know, he would make sure that the stand um, when we did our market store was all set up, obviously going back to the very yeah. beginning, but then I was the one at home during the week because I had doing my uni degree that actually made the products because he was working. Yeah. So we had this understanding from the very beginning that it was because of both of the skill sets that we had that yeah. it worked and yeah. without one of the other, it didn't actually work. Um, and look, he's, he's got different skill sets to mine. He's very um, calm and methodical and planned and balanced <laughs> and easygoing. And I'm like the creative crazy and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still planned, um, but yeah. he's really planned and stable. So we both have different skill sets. Yeah. And, um, and I think one of the reasons why we've always worked so well together is we just balance each other. Yeah. Um, but we also have a common goal. And I think that's really important. Like we've yeah. always had the same goal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always been about in the earlier days, it was about 
how can we travel and how can we get enough money to then travel and then we started a family so then it was about how do we build a business that enables us to look after our family and you know our teenagers are older so we've got that common goal and that's a really strong thing so we're always aligned with what the goal and what the outcome is and we're also very aligned in the sense that you know, sometimes we have got slightly different visions. So yeah. we have different moments um, where Scott might be like, he's the one that has driven us to go overseas and do exporting. Um, so sometimes we're not quite as aligned. Yeah. But we both, yeah, we both pull the other one along, I suppose. We have ba- yeah, balance. Yeah. And then in the business now, I look after all the creative. So I look after all the branding, the vision, um, anything to do with the with HR, branding, um, I look after the website and Scott looks after the logistics and the warehousing yeah. and anything to do with the technology. So he's really good at implementing new technology and new ideas. And that's yeah. definitely not my strong point. So you can see we've got quite different. Yeah, we've got different strengths. Yeah. And could I have done it by myself? I mean, I think I was destined always to have my own business, but I think the reason that we're successful is because yeah. we both as I said, we have the same goals yeah. and we have um, we have the same goals and we have different strengths. So we balance each other out. Yeah, it's very similar to Danny and I as well in the way that we work together. Like I'm very much sort of on the retail side and the merchandising, styling, all those sorts of things. And yeah, he's operations and logistics and wholesale, all like, you know, containers, freight, all that kind of thing. But then we actually come together because we're both designers on the creative side in terms of the product development and all of that. But yeah, we've got very similar goals. And it's funny, like you said too, like, these the goals change like as you kind of grow further in your business the goals change or if you're experiencing a different part of life like you said children and all of that everything changes but it's good to see that you're both on that same kind of uh, wavelength I guess and you kind of both are looking in the same direction which is yeah, really helpful. yeah and I think if someone you know if you had a partnership where one person wanted to be the biggest brand in Australia you know the yeah. biggest or or if you wanted to be you know all about say you know really fast volume so you know like fast volume and, and less profit yeah um, you know, there's always different ways you can take your business but we've always been very aligned in that we wanted a business that allowed us to have a, a, a lifestyle yeah, and um, exactly. and we've always been aligned about both of us saying we didn't need to be the biggest bath and body company in Australia. No. What we wanted to be was boutique and unique and independent and authentic and true. And that yeah. that we're both aligned with that. From and I guess always. also, and that allows you obviously to build this brand around your lifestyle as well, because if yeah. you go off into that other direction that you're talking about with, you know, these other bigger brands, that's sometimes not possible. So that's right. Yeah. And, you know, I think for both of us, the idea of, for example, having a board of directors or an external yeah. CEO or reporting to that level was not something no. that excited us. So we were both always very aligned on how we wanted to structure the business to fit around lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. So in the early days, were you hand making everything? Is that how? Yeah, so when I said um, when I said I would be at home making things and Scott had a full-time yeah. role, so I would be on the kitchen table making bath salts and I used to pour them into glass bottles and, you know, tie them with raffia and terracotta tags and we used to make the soaps. And, oh, wow. and so, yeah, so, yeah, it was all made on the kitchen table, literally. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. And, and now, I mean, now we make it, I was going to say, now one of the things that Scott does that he's really into is, um, you know, implementing our manufacturing. So yeah. that is definitely not my attempt 
tech, my skill set at all. So he really likes he's working with an engineer and they're building machinery specific to what we need it to do and he yeah. he loves that so you know we've got machinery and he comes home and shows me videos of the machine working and yeah that's really something he's quite good at yeah okay so he he was he was it him because obviously you would have gotten to the stage where you couldn't keep up with the orders in terms of what you could make so was it more Scott who kind of you know looked at it and thought okay we've got to look at getting these um you know sourced out to a supplier to actually take on that supply chain and that sort of thing or was it yeah that was together so that was definitely something that we knew but to um to be able to have the depth of product that we had and to be able to supply Australia wide so if you're only doing soaps it's fine but if you actually start doing hand creams and candles and body lotions you needed external suppliers to help us yeah so I think that was definitely in the early days something we really built together yeah. But now Scott looks after more the manufacturing and the logistics and I look after the look of the brand and the way the brand feels and the smell. So I look after product development, but yeah. then he looks after the manufacturing of it. So okay. they're kind of aligned but slightly different. Yeah. And did you find it daunting when you first went out obviously to hand over your product to somebody else to make? Like were you worried about or nervous about that? experience or how did you sort of oh no I've always yeah no I suppose I've always really believed in um so most of the products we make in-house but some of the products we've now got made our house but all by um under our formulation and it's completely directed by us so I think because of that I was never really worried because it was always our direction our packaging our formulation our fragrance you know our chemist and it was just actually how it was being filled yeah Um, but we brought a lot over the 22 years, we actually brought a lot back into our manufacturing facility in Tarrant Point because what we needed was um, incredible quality control and that's definitely one of Scott's really strong points. He's very fastidious on the way things look and, um, you know, he'll come home with a candle and show me how beautifully smooth the top of the candle is and how the wicks are perfectly positioned and how they stand up straight. I'm like, wow, that's attention to detail. He's, (laughs) He's got great attention to detail. So we actually did bring a lot of our manufacturing back to our warehouse and that's why we've now got our own machinery and our own fill lines because we felt that to get the quality control that we needed we really did need to do it in-house yeah no that's amazing just being because quality control is such a big issue like with everybody I know even Mm. for us like with all of our because we have to import product and we don't have our own people on the ground in all of those countries you have to rely on you know an agent or somebody like that and they don't always do exactly what they're meant to do so quality control is so important and I guess if you can have it in-house then that's just such a huge bonus yeah and it's just again I think it's been our point of difference is that like when I'm because I'm not in the office now obviously at the moment due to COVID but normally when I'm in the office I can literally just walk out from my office into production and you can see what's happening you know and and it's it's yeah so we're really hands-on and that's been something that I think a lot of other brands don't have that they're outsourcing it but for us if you know we can just make sure we have that attention to detail and make sure the product is absolutely perfect. And you've got a retail outlet there too at Tarrant Point don't you? 
Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. a little small retail um, underneath because we're in a um, manufacturing commercial um, area within the Sutherland Shire, just down in Tarrant Point. But it became, it was really good for us because it, it let us know what it feels like to be a retailer. Yeah. So, like, we've got a little shop and we set it up in the shop. So whenever we're doing product development, for example, we can actually go down and put it in the shop and say, how does it look in the shelf? Or does that point of sale stand fit on the shelf? Or is it too tall or too big? Or would it fit on a counter? And then we sell everything at full retail. And so we're actually experiencing what it's like to be a retailer with our products. And I think, again, that just gives you um, a, a different perspective and, like, a wealth of knowledge. So... Yeah, being a retailer as well as a wholesaler, I think, has been another area where we've been um, a point of difference. Yeah, no, that's really good because, yeah, often it's that having that customer feedback direct is really important. Like you'll hear it from your the stores that you sell to and everything, but actually hearing it directly from your own outlet is really valuable information. Yeah, and also just things like, you know, for example, how the testers work in store, yeah, how the stickers exactly. work. Oh, the testers run out, they need to be replaced. You know, because yeah. we're, we're retailing, it's very small, as I said, it's a very tiny part of what yeah. we do. And at the moment it's not open, but it does give us the ability to understand what it's like from a retailer's point of view. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And so over the years, obviously we've all evolved in terms of how our business started and where we are now and, you know, times change and trends change and all of that sort of thing. So how has your business grown and evolved over the years? So when we first started in 1999, that was when we did our first trade fair and we took the box of soap that we were selling at Glebe Market. So we had this, you had these boxes of soap, the timber yeah. boxes that my dad made. <laughs> and um, and we we took those boxes and we called it the classic soap unit. And yeah. and we and everything was really bright. So we had bright purple, bright pink, bright green, you know, pink and white swirls, like the brighter the better. <laughs> and um, and we also had pillar candles, and again, the brighter the better, like bright yeah. red, bright green, bright yellow, and it was like everything was really intensely colored like a rainbow and um so that was when we started and and then um at that particular point we didn't like packaging was not important to us we just sold the raw soaps in the timber unit and these raw pillar candles and it was at the trade fair that some of our customers um who were buying our products said oh we love what you do we love you and we love your products but we've got a gift store and we really need the packaging to be a little bit more upmarket and we need it to be a bit more gifty because I'd always come from it was the soap that you used in the shower every day. Yeah. And it wasn't really a gift so much. And yeah. um, and so that was really interesting because it gave me the um, understanding. So that's when we started wrapping the soaps, the three soaps in the little boxes. Yeah. And we started realising that if we we're going to sell into the gift industry because we're at gift fairs, that we needed packaging. So that opened up a whole um, a whole new world for me. I'd never thought about packaging at all. So that changed us from not, not just being about beautiful soaps that people loved, but actually having beautiful packaging. Yeah, so no. That, that pack- was a really big shift. Yeah, and packaging I think is, well, it's, it's really important. It's basically that, you know, the first um, people's first impression of your brand as well and what they think. And even though, you know, we know we're going to throw it away or sometimes we keep it if it's like extremely beautiful and try and find a use for it. But 
I feel like the packaging is kind of what gets a lot of brands over the line in terms of looking professional and looking value for money as well. Um, as much as we love all of this handmade product, you can still have handmade product, but in beautiful packaging. So I believe that's really important. But even just thinking about, I guess, going back quite a few years now, like when I was working in the store every day and Huskisson being our first store was always like so busy over Christmas and all those holiday periods. And I remember just thinking, okay, I've got to have enough stock of the sweet treats and the summer scents <laughs> yeah. and all of the, you know, the little yeah. spray fragrances yeah, yeah. and things like that, because that's what we'd sell in those, you know, in those crazy holidays and all of the young girls would come in and they'd be testing out all the perfumes and everybody would be like and we used to write everything down back then of what we'd sell like we didn't have an inventory system or anything and I just remember like you know we'd be writing summer scent and then it's just like ditto 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 yeah. like <laughs> yeah. and yeah really sweet oh, too we had like you know lime and coconut I mean we did yeah. lime and coconut 20 years ago um, it's why I won't do it now. People ask me for it. We do lime and coconut. I'm like, no, we did that 20 years ago. I'm sorry. We move forward. We like, we always doing new things, but, um, yeah, we had like cotton candy, lime and coconut, yep. said, um, oh, mango. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. 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 Frangipani. That's still a good one actually. But, um, yeah. yeah, really, really sweet style fragrances. And yeah, going back to packaging, um, packaging as well became for us, I mean, it was so cool because I love being creative. So it opened up this whole new window, but it enabled us as well to show our personality yeah. as a brand. It enabled us to say who we were, that we were, you know, not this really tizzy upmarket, slick, polished business and yeah. not that we were handmade and crafty anymore, but we were able to identify who we were, which was, you know, natural, authentic, real, but also something that was really beautiful and really yeah. unique. So we yeah. did little things like having texture in the boxes or we'd put foils yeah. on the boxes and we'd tell our story on the boxes. So that was a really big thing, being able to identify our personality through the packaging. Yeah, definitely. And it was always like you could see that it fit right into that lifestyle category as well. Like it wasn't just a, like a beauty product or that sort of thing. And so it could suit a variety of stores as well. Like, you know, going into homeware stores, we're not just a beauty store or whatever that might be. But yeah, I think it had that laid back kind of casual feeling to it. Yeah. And even now to what it's evolved into, like obviously there's a lot less colour and everything is more um, organic, I guess, in terms of the, the colours and the, the textures and, you know, all of that kind of recycled packaging as well. Um, it's, a, I guess, not, yeah, it's probably more sophisticated in terms of, um, you know, like the brown bottles and that sort of thing. And But how, how has it, like, has your, have you noticed that your target market has changed? Yeah, well, one of the things I was just thinking um, when you mentioned before about fitting into lots of different homeware stores, one of the challenges that we had was that we were in Sydney, but our stockers were Australia-wide. Yeah. So we would find, for example, that like we'd have our Queensland customers wanting all the bright colours, for example. Yeah. They wanted frangipanis and they wanted frangipanis on the packaging. Like it was like, yeah. it, you know, they wanted frangipanis and turtles. And they would tell <laughs> you, you know, they'd tell you what they want, which is amazing. Yeah. And, and certain fragrances. But then we were also supplying um, stores in Melbourne and Adelaide 
and even in rural um, Western New South Wales who were saying, oh, no, we don't want that. So we had Melbourne customers telling us that they wanted black and then yeah. we had Queensland customers saying that they wanted frangipanis and then there was sort of what was true to us. So sometimes I suppose we, we probably did get a little bit confused because we were trying to be something to everyone yes. and what we tried to do was go, oh, we've got that collection for that customer and that collection for that customer, which was something that we needed to do to be wholesalers and supply yeah. Australia-wide. Yeah. I think what we've and I think the other thing is that you know I've matured as well it's been 22 years so just my taste has changed from yeah. being 25 when we started yeah to now being 50 and um, so my personal style has changed but then the trends have changed so now we really are trying to be uh, I suppose we're more comfortable with who we are going we can't be something to everyone yeah now we have to actually be true to who we are and I'm really passionate about natural, organic, essential oils. And now I'm super, super passionate about the packaging. So the most yeah. recent range that we've just launched, Natural Remedy, is made with 100% sustainable, recycled, post-consumer materials. And that was much harder to do, but it really ignited me. I got really super yeah. excited again. Like after 22 years, I found this new purpose of... Yeah oh, how can we make a difference? This is how I can make a difference by using recycled packaging and using boxes without plastic laminates and, and just really thinking about how we could um, you know, have less of a, a footprint, I suppose, with our packaging. And that really excited me. So now I think we're more able to be true to who we are and say, okay, we may not be something to, we may not have the frangipanis and the turtles, yeah, um, but we're true to who we are, and that's yeah. okay. We can be true to who we are because our customers that like what we do will love that, and that's what will shine through as well. Like you have to love what you're doing for it to be successful. I always say that. Like you have to be passionate about it and and really believe in it because that always shines through. Like mm. I know we've had experience with that too. Like you know when we worked in the surf industry, it's like, okay, you've got to design t-shirts with palm trees and Hawaiian flowers on them it's like this isn't what the surf industry is anymore it might have been back then but it's not anymore but you know and then it's also interesting how you say you know you were listening to your customers feedback in terms of what fragrances they wanted or what what they wanted on the packaging or whatever it might be so when it comes to actually choosing your fragrances is it data driven now because I know that um, a lot of the time, if you listen to what people ask for, like we've done it before, we've we've bought in new products that people have asked for, but then they don't sell. And it's like, well, those people asked for it. Well, how come they're not selling? But so how do you decide on your fragrances these days? Is it very data driven or do you just create things based off what you love? It's a little bit of a combination. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a combination. So definitely the first starting point is my intuition. So yeah. all along, it's been my intuition and my instinct about what I think is going to work. Yeah. And um, so that's always where I've started. And sometimes I'll create a, a product or a fragrance that I think is amazing and I can see the team in-house are a bit like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. And there's been times where Scott's like, mm, yeah. I don't think so. And, I, and it's funny because that then proves to me that I believe in it or I don't and if yeah. I really believe in it I'll fight for it and then I'll start convincing them and I'm like the greatest saleswoman in the world on why it's the right decision yeah and so yeah usually instinct but then at the same time I've got 20 years experience so I just know yeah. I know what works and I know yeah. that certain styles of fragrances work and I also could see that for our brand some of the sweeter things I could see it changing Yes. And I could see that, yeah, the, the cotton candies and those sorts of fragrances that's 
people still love and they email us all the time why aren't you doing cotton candy anymore because we had to, I noticed it changing and I had to make a, a business decision saying if we're going to go natural and organic yeah, then I can't I also be pulling this cotton candy story because it's really yeah. confusing so there's it's definitely about data yeah um, but it's really it starts with instinct and then I suppose it's cemented with data yeah well I can personally say that you definitely know what you're doing because I know that when Danny and I came to you and you know we wanted to create our signature candle for our stores we wanted a because obviously experience is very important to us and that you know the power of fragrance and you know all that it can have on your memories and all of that sort of thing so we wanted to create a signature candle so we thought we'd go to you and see what we could come up with and you just nailed our brief like oh, that's <laughs> amazingly so, well that's, yeah. perfect so, yeah I know that when we came to you we you know the brief was to it was a, a fragrance that needed to reflect you know our experiences through travel through these exotic places that we've been to that whole kind of reminiscing of you know being in a in a different world almost um and and it was to be labeled escape so and I know that the fragrance that we've come up come up with um with you is just been it's exactly that it's you know that, that whole feeling of escape and you know you do have it nailed because it's our best-selling candle so oh, that's, that's just fantastic and we were so excited to have the opportunity to create that yeah. for you because I mean we love your stores always have just been a huge fan of your beautiful business and your beautiful stores and so the opportunity to create something especially for you was just such an exciting thing for us to say and it, it gave us the opportunity as well to do something a little bit different yeah. and and sort of take it into um you know how could we make it perfect for you and yeah. how could we give it your stamp and um I suppose one of the things that we were really aligned as well so we'd both traveled so I we did a range a couple of years ago oh, like 10 years ago called Fragrant Journey and we had um Persian jasmine Balinese temple flower, white kimono, Tahitian gardenia. There were six in total. And so I think it was my experience was about when you were asking for that fragrance about other places, it was, I was like, okay, yeah, I know what worked in that collection and what, what fragrance was good. And then it was about, yeah, making it like, um, layered that's what I love about fragrance is so there's different layers. And I also like fragrance that's unisex. I've always liked fragrance that doesn't make you know isn't too sort of sickly sweet so um yeah Yeah. so that it was just such an ideal situation that we could pull that together for you and and then you guys designed that beautiful box so yeah it was like a perfect collaboration collaboration I love collaborations (laughs) yeah it was great it was really good because as I said it gave us the opportunity to do something different using our expertise as well yeah definitely no it's been amazing and just everybody loves it and like you said having that unisex fragrance has been a big part of its its success as well um and yeah it's definitely a signature piece within our stores that's for sure so that's really good how important are trade fairs for your business Well, as I said, we started our first trade fair um, 
1999. So it was September 1999. So we're coming up to our 22nd birthday. Wow. In, yeah, in like two days. I know. I know. How do I? How, I just can imagine. Is <laughs> the trade fairs? Um, yeah. So and for the first 10 years, we did um, three trade fairs every year. Wow. And it was so vital for us because when we started the business, there was no internet. There was no email. Yeah. Um, even faxing was you know tricky and um, you know the only time that you got to see customers was in those settings and those trade fair settings and we used to take a word document that I laid out with our catalog which was literally words on a page um, no photos no pictures yeah. and um, so you people had to come to the trade fair to see the product and to meet us and we met so many amazing people of who many are still customers with us today. So it was really vital for us to do that. And that's where we got our feedback as well. That was where the people said to me, my customers said, oh, you, you know, about the feedback about packaging or or um, even the feedback when we got into, we sort of moved away from candles and then we went back into home fragrance because our customers were saying, you know, people are buying candles. You guys need to be a part of that. Yeah. And I was a bit like, yeah, I'm not so sure, but they were insistent that we should. And um, so, yeah, the feedback that you're getting from having those face-to-face -face conversations with your customers. And then we were also so lucky because we met so many other exhibitors as well, which was yeah. fantastic. So we have this network of other people who are wholesalers, not necessarily in our space, but you know, the team, um, Anna from Palace, yourselves when you were wholesaling, yeah. um, lots of other businesses who are our neighbours. And so then, you you know, sharing information on shipping or, or transit or yeah. technology, um, ordering systems. So, yeah, it's been yeah. really, really vital to to who we are. And, yeah, we really miss them. We actually miss going yeah, to trade fairs. Challenging the last couple of years, hasn't it? And it has. you, know, you think that you're doing one, and then all of a sudden we have an outbreak and it's cancelled, and it's like, okay, let's think about what we what we can do mm. now to yeah. tackle this. But yeah, it's a challenging time at the moment. It was nice to miss one. Yeah, <laughs> we missed one, break. and we're like, oh gosh, that's and the first one I've missed in twenty years. I and just could I'm not like, imagine. Mm, I know. Now years I'm thinking, of oh gosh. Oh, and then we did trade fairs all through America as well. So oh wow. Yeah. Wow, that would have been an experience doing it internationally. Mm. Yeah, so we did eight trade shows a year in the United States for about two years on wow. top of what we're doing here. Wow. <laughs> and I had two kids in nappies at the same time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a whole other story, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Part two. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is there anything that you would have done differently if you could over the last 22 years? I think the only thing really that I would have done differently is, so Scott and I did everything from the very beginning. Yeah. I know you and Danny have been yeah. very similar. So we did everything. You know, we designed all the packaging. We made all the product. We packed all the boxes. We did all the invoicing you know, very much like I'll just put you through to the warehouse, which was Scott sitting next to me in the garage. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, we were, it was very much we were hands-on on everything. Yeah. And probably, and we did that for a very long time. And even now we're very, very hands-on. Like yeah. last Christmas, Scott and I worked in the warehouse for eight weeks, both of us, yeah. Yeah. because that was what needed to be done because yeah. we just, we just, it's wherever we need to be, wherever there's yeah. a hole, that's where we go. So my, my, the only thing I would probably do is if I was to give any advice would be just to surround yourself with experts from the beginning, yes. you know, an expert financial advisor, 
um, you know, we have an expert financial um, accountant and advisor now, and that's been the last probably 10, 12 years. And it's just changed our whole business completely. Yeah. Um, So that's been amazing. And even now I have a HR expert because it's complicated. Yeah. And I don't have the um, understanding and capacity to be designing boxes and being a HR expert and understanding the 10 different aspects. So, yeah, I think it's about surrounding yourself with really um, experts, um, yeah, expert people who can guide you and give you that advice and ask for help when you need it from those people. Exactly. And also like valuing your time in terms of where is your time better spent? Like, you know, and if you have to pay somebody else to do you know, that role, like, because obviously your product development and the creative side, you don't want to be doing HR. So (laughs) that's right. Obviously understanding that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing that you've got the right advice instead of sort of some, so yeah, definitely surrounding yourself with experts and building a great team of people. And they can be external consultants, but those people that can really set you up and fast track you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so what are you most proud of? your along your business journey uh definitely the fact that we've been in business 22 years yes and um it's a huge yeah it's huge I mean when we started doing this no one was doing bath and body products it was you know we were one of the very few there were a couple but obviously we'd seen it in America we'd seen it overseas so that's that's a really big accomplishment the fact that Scott and I also husband and wife and You know, that we've managed that we've managed <laughs> to get this far and run run family as well. Yeah, um, being stocked in anthropology in America was That's a amazing. massive, massive highlight. I mean, I know that you're an anthropology fan. I used to yeah. say that anthropology was my church. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hail anthropology. <laughs> and um, and when we um, were stocked in those stores, and then we went and visited the stores and saw our products in anthropology. Yeah. I mean, that was like a pinch me moment. Yeah. And most recently, we had our products selected by the um, Australian Olympic Committee to go to the village in Tokyo to make the athletes the Australian athletes feel at home and that was um, uh, just such an incredible thing they just asked us if we'd like to be involved and they sent over candles diffusers to go all around the Olympic village and then I saw behind the scenes of the village and our products were sitting there and um and when Keegan Palmer won the gold medal and he was interviewed on tv our green lemongrass candle was sitting on the table behind him and he's got the gold medal I was like running around taking photos of the tv I was screaming I was pretty excited Um, so yeah that's (laughs) that's a real recent highlight for sure and that's what I love most about you guys too like you are like you're always willing to have a go at something or you're always like I said at the very beginning like your generosity is just so you know it's such a good thing and and it's always you're always wanting to help other people and you know even if it's your retailers as well like you've always been really supportive and really generous in like towards us in terms of you know product information or you know helping out with giveaways or you know workshops and all those sorts of things so I love that you guys are always so involved in it and always willing to kind of put yourself out there and and put the product out there and have a go like that's one of them oh thank you that's such beautiful feedback it really is so it's so lovely and it makes me feel so great to hear that feedback from you because it's what we it's what we try to do and so to know that it actually works and that you feel that from us is really important and I mean one of the things that we say about our business that really helped us fine-tune our vision was that we create rituals that make people feel good. Yeah. And so we use that all the time throughout our business. And it's about 
how how can we be different because there might be a lot of people making candles or hand creams or whatever it is but if we can make people feel good and if we just stick to that so that our customers feel good with every experience and if we're really genuine and authentic that that will come through and so when you when you give me that feedback it's yeah it's amazing and that's that's exactly what we try to do that's it's just about being generous and open and honest and authentic and the same with our team, we create that culture. And so yeah. then that comes through every part of what we do. Yeah, and it does. You're an amazing business to work with. And I know, obviously, I've had something to do with a lot of the people in the team as well. And they are, they're all the same and it all comes across. And it's, yeah, it's really, really, it's a huge asset, I believe, for, for your business. And yeah, really. Thank you so much. That's beautiful feedback it really does it makes <laughs> yes thank you so much oh and you're welcome and so lastly what's next for urban ritual where do you see it going in the future so definitely for us now our as i said about making people feel good we believe that to make people feel good we need to look after the planet yeah. so it's been one of my concerns i'm thinking how do i how do i contribute how do i do this if i'm making products how can i do it that it's better for the planet give people a choice that's better for the planet so that's one of the things that i'm very passionate about and as i said i got really excited a couple of years ago when that penny dropped for me that that could be my point of difference so making sure that at every at every every time we're questioned that we have we think about how we can do it that it's better for the environment so just removing plastic whenever we can or using sustainable recyclable packaging um, packaging made from recycled materials so that's a really big thing for us definitely the natural organic is very big for us as well so I've just been saying to our team that's about making people feel good I think it's good for you good for the environment good for our health and well-being which I think is really important so we're working on um, some new beautiful natural essential oils so going back to when I used to make ceramic yeah. oil diffusers <laughs> um, I'll have to post those on social some of the old ones yeah. I'm sure I've got some but yeah so going back to our um, essential oils I've got some here actually look Oh, nice. I can't see them, but there's new essential oils coming soon. Um, we're doing natural perfumes and, um, and we're also looking at hospitality as a different yeah. industry. So not so, so we've obviously got new product, but also looking at new industries and saying, yeah. how could we, what could we do in a different industry? That's like a parallel industry that doesn't cross over. Yeah. Um, so that's, so we could do like a bulk offering of our body lotions that's more sustainable for somebody that needs a refill. So yeah. we're thinking about Airbnbs and once um, the pandemic is over and everything settles down that, you know, I think people are really going to be wanting to travel around Australia and that boutique hotel offering. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at that. And I think another area that we could definitely get involved in is, um, you know, shampoos and conditioners. So we're looking yeah. at that for early next year. And then also natural well-being um, cleaning products, I think, is something that we could yeah. look at next year as well. Yeah. So lots of exciting things on the horizon then. Yeah, um, always lots. Too many ideas, not enough time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Leanne, for coming in and, well, not coming in, but showing up online and chatting to me today. Like, I think there's been so much valuable information that's come out of this conversation and, 
I've learned a lot about you, which has been really great. And, and I'm, you know, it makes me feel so happy that we have so many similarities as well, even in terms of our, you know, our upbringing and our different experiences and all of that sort of thing. But it also, I guess, makes me think about, you know, all of these people out there wanting to start businesses and, you know, just look at these different experiences and how they've shaped us and what we've kind of actually gone through to grow. It's not an easy process, but it's something that can happen if you set your mind to it so I think that's really important but thank you so much for today and I really appreciate your time and you know for everyone listening definitely check out Urban Ritual or you know come into the stores and if you want to see it or smell it or you know sample it and yeah it's definitely some beautiful product so thank you for bringing that to us Leanne. Thank you, Tara. Thanks so much for asking me to um, come on and share my story. I've absolutely loved it. Loved um, just and love the feedback that you gave me about mm. uh, about my beautiful team as well, because yeah. the team are probably one of the things that I, I really wanted to say are actually one of the things I am most proud of as well. Yeah. Um, we've got the most beautiful bunch of people that work with us who are a family. So that feedback that you've been able to share about our business and our brand has been so wonderful so thank you for sharing that with me and taking the time to tell our story yeah no problem it's been a really great one so thank you thanks my pleasure thanks thank you for joining me this week on the trade wins podcast if you enjoyed this episode or have found value in this podcast i'd love you to leave me a review on itunes or to share it on instagram and facebook for your friends To see what special pieces of the world we've brought home, make sure you visit our website at fewandfar.com.au or pop into one of our beautiful stores located in Huskisson, Berry, or Barrel in New South Wales. And if you're thinking about starting your own retail business but aren't sure where to begin or you have an existing business you want to grow, head over to my website, tarasolberg.com for more information on my Trade Wings online course where I share everything I wish I had known when I was first starting out in business. I look forward to you joining me again for our next episode. Thank you for listening.